Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, I have some new food takes. I hope Nada for Fire Friday will accept me a little bit more because of them. We'll recap the Charlotte Hornets Detroit Pistons game. How close is Kimba's game at the same point in his career to what Devontae Graham is giving us now? And this. The one thing I would point out, and, and there goes my one thing. Um, Nada's one thing. One I would point- thing. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. And if you did do Black Friday shopping, hopefully you got everything you wanted to without fighting anybody. We often talk about food takes. It's something that we argue about the most, maybe not as much without Nada being an everyday contributor, but we do have Nada here today because it's Fire Friday. And not only is it Fire Friday, it's a fire Friday after Thanksgiving. Things are about to get hot. I'm excited. Nada, how are you doing today, fam? I, I'm good. I'm very, very, very good. I'm almost ashamed to hear your horrible food takes. Doug with his horrible food takes, too. I am almost scared that y'all have decided to call me on this beautiful Black Friday, and, and, and we're, you're just going to bombard me with bad food takes. I almost feel bad for the listeners, too. So I'll go first with my food takes and then Doug, if you have any, please share them with us. So usually my mom cooks mac and cheese every single Thanksgiving, right? We're in the South. That was a big discussion on Twitter. Like you have mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. I feel like most people do anyway. We are one of those people. Um, When you look at when mom made mac and cheese, she usually it was kind of it wasn't baked. She did something weird with it, but it was really good. But then she decided to change it. Walker, 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 Walker. What? Nada. What? She didn't bake the mac and cheese. No, I'm sure she did. I don't know. When I think baked mac and cheese, I think like the top of the cheese is on top of it or something like that. I think she I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. I know it's good. I'm not. I can't cook mac and cheese, man. I can't do it. I can cook easy mac in the microwave. That's what I can do. I'm just saying, if you didn't get baked mac and cheese on Thanksgiving, I feel like this explains a lot. Can I can I finish my story? Is that okay? Is that cool with you? All right. So mom decided to do something different this year. And she decided to do a different kind of cheese and also put shrimp and crab meat in mac and cheese this year. And let me tell you, I was skeptical. I thought, you know what? That doesn't sound too good. I've had lobster mac and cheese before. That was really good, but I just, you know, it was at a restaurant. This isn't necessarily mom's forte cooking the seafood like that. And let me tell you, it was a pleasant surprise. I absolutely chowed down on that mac and cheese with shrimp and crab meat in it. It was fantastic. I don't know if that sounds disgusting to you, but let me tell you, it was great to me. Uh, you know, you know, Walker, I'm, I'm going to surprise you. Okay. okay. I am kind of cool with that. I'm actually okay. kind of cool. The shrimp is not That's a take. Is, shrimp is a departure from what I would normally say. Okay? But like you said, lobster mac and cheese is pretty good. Shrimp is a little bit of a departure. It doesn't have like the like fishy smell that you would get from a lobster almost. But you back it up with the crab meat. And yeah. Cool. That's. That's an upset. I'm excited that you feel that way. I also have one more food take before we get to Doug. Guys, I have a new favorite jelly. It's a new favorite one. Had Wait, it for breakfast. 
the morning of Thanksgiving. Never had it before. My mom had it somehow. I don't know why. But blackberry jerry or jerry blackberry jelly. That's the best jelly that there. Yeah, I figured you were going to let that one. Usually you let those go. That's sarcasm. Blackberry jelly. Thank you. Blackberry jelly, man. That's my favorite. So I have a new one. It passes grape. It passes strawberry. That's my favorite. Nada. Am I accepted a little bit more with my food takes because of that one? You know, Walker, I am surprised. Again, what happened to the person that didn't like flavor? And what was the person that liked boring, relatively boring food? Because who is this person that actually is like enjoying flavorful stuff? Like, like you're seeing a black woman, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. You called it. Nada nailed it. Spot on. I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying. You are embracing spice and flavor yeah. and everything like that. And I just want to say welcome to the party, Walker. Welcome to the yeah, party. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll expect an invitation to the cookout. Doug, do you have any food takes from Thanksgiving? Uh, no, I. You know, I, honestly, like I, I like to keep things simple on Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving is one of the few meals, a few of anything that really has stayed the same over these many years, and and I take comfort and eating the same things every year for Thanksgiving. I don't like big deviations like shrimp or crab meat and mac and cheese. I just, I like the simple things because, you know, so much in our life is just constantly changing. You know, we can't, you know, a meme is here today and gone tomorrow. We can't keep up with anything anymore. And I just, I like the idea of Thanksgiving being uh, that solidifying force in our yearly calendar. Okay, Nada, what about you? <laughs> I was going to say, um, as long as you I just want to put out a, like a PSA. Do not put peas and carrots in your macaroni and cheese. Shrimp, meat, shrimp, seafood, okay as long as it's properly seasoned. But PSA, do not put peas and carrots in your mac and cheese. I saw a couple of people do this. And it really offended me. And that there would be some, there would be some furniture moving if that happened in my house. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. No, it sounds bad. Uh, what was the best thing you had real quickly? And then we'll move on to the Hornets. Sweet potato pie. Sweet potato pie. And it was not oh, even close. Of course. of course, that's how it goes. The Hornets did play a game against the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday night. They uh, had beaten them the last time they played off of a Malik Monk buzzer beater. And then you see them win by one point against the Detroit Pistons again. And how about this? It was actually the defense at the end of this game that was able to cause a shot clock violation against them. Derek Rose was contested by Bismack Biombo, throws it to the short corner to Luke Kennard, and Kennard, and Kennard doesn't get a shot off in time. Nada, what did you see from this game that you thought were some of the main takeaways? One of the big things was that they didn't, they didn't kill themselves like they normally do. They only had four turnovers the entire game. And there are stretches where they have four turnovers in four minutes or less. The fact that they went a full 48 without a turnover big thing that I just noticed and you can't help but be excited about the play of Bismack Biombo, who I've kind of mentioned might be better than um, Cody at this point. The fact that he had 19 and nine. Oh, you're crazy. Not a... he might be, he, he's been playing better in the last, I want to say five to seven games. Now, granted the one thing I would point out and, and there goes my one thing. Um, not as one thing. One point, thing. Exactly. But the the thing I would point out is that Cody's hip has been an issue for at least what five six games, so that probably has a little bit of has a little bit to do with it. But B 
Biz playing well. And like you said, them forcing the defense, them forcing a shot clock, or basically they couldn't get a shot off in seven seconds. And the defense being a part of that, where that stre- that last little stretch, where you have uh, Batum fouling Derrick Rose, like a very smart foul, because Batum was going to give up a layup there. Someone was going to get an easy bucket. Him fouling him and then them having to do it all over again. I think that was one of the big things. And then lastly... P.J. Washington going nuts in the second half is, I think, one of the things because we've all been waiting for him to have that little, like, okay, the tape's out. I got to have my counterpunch. And it seems like P.J. Washington has finally developed that counterpunch going into this next maybe 15, 20 games of the season. James Borrego was angry about the def- uh, the defense in the last few games or so heading into this game against Detroit, and they limit Detroit to 101 points. It seemed like the guys that were kind of on the outside looking in when he was switching up these rotations, Malik Monk only got 17 minutes, but also he wasn't shooting the ball very well, and he was 0 for 4 from three-point land, one of seven from the field, so maybe that was a contributing factor into not allowing him to play as many minutes, but also Dwayne Bacon, not a, he got a DNP CD. Would you say those were the two casualties of the defensive rotation changes, and what did you see from some of the lineups Borrego implemented? Um, the, the fact that he attempted to play Billy Hernan Gomez for even a little bit in the first half <laughs> was a bold, was a bold move. Very bold move. I'm not sure I would have done that, but, but I don't think that was the plan. I believe the plan was to play PJ at the center if he didn't get into foul trouble early. But what I kind of, the only thing that I kind of was surprised by is that we didn't get more Cody Martin in the, into the second half. And Dwayne Bacon not playing doesn't surprise me because he's not a guy that unfortunately either distributes the ball well or is hitting shots well. And if neither of those things are going well for him, he's not going to help you defensively right now. And I think someone's got to pay the price for right now. It's Dwayne Bacon. And to be quite honest, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in Greensboro at this point because he's going to have to stay sharp or do something to stay sharp. And I wouldn't be surprised, even though Cody Martin's in Greensboro right now or being sent to Greensboro right now, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cody Martin back soon or probably taking whatever minutes that Bacon has left in the rotation starting on Monday. Miles Bridges was 7-14 in this game. Didn't shoot the ball well from outside, but he did have 15 points. And we talked with Rick Bennell on Tuesday about how we would evaluate what miles has done this season. I think offensively he's been shooting the ball pretty well. The last five games, four games or so he's been doing a little bit better offensively, but we also talk about what his job is on the defensive side of the floor. Nada, what do you think about the way miles played a little bit recently since we last talked? I know we asked you this question. Has anything changed in what you've seen from him in your mind? I'm not calling him lost again. Cause the minute I called him, the minute I said he was lost, he scored 30. Right. So I'm not doing that anymore. So the big thing for Miles was, and then I did listen to the episode with you guys and Rick, and Rick made a really good point. They threw him in the deep end defensively where he's guarding everybody. And Rick did make, have me like rethink what I was looking at. And I kind of like where he is. There's still some stuff off ball where I know, Doug, you've had a problem where he gets beat constantly on those backdoor screens and just off ball defense he needs to work on but outside of that i'm kind of okay with where he is especially if he's going to if his shot is going to at least be somewhat sustainable going forward 
All right, looking ahead, just we'll get you out of here on this one. Nada. They got the Detroit Pistons tonight at 7 o'clock, so another game with the Pistons, and I think that'll be it for them and their meetings this year. Just when you take a look at the schedule, um, try to pull it up outside of the Pistons uh, for what they have coming up. Um, when they have the Pistons tonight on the road, and then they're going to play the Milwaukee Bucks, Phoenix, Golden State, Brooklyn. You know, Just overall, what are you wanting to see from this team the next few games against some of the opponents I just mentioned? Um, the big thing is, I just want to see them stay competitive. I think we have to measure our expectations. The Golden State game should be a winnable game coming up, but that's the only one where I would consider it quote-unquote winnable. Again, Detroit at home is going to probably be a different beast than they are on the road. Then you have the back-to-back with the reigning MVP, where I'm not sure if you stay, again, if you stay within 10-15 uh, at all times, I think you consider that a victory no matter what. And yes, we are in the business of moral victories, means that this is a 25-27 win team right now. Then Phoenix, who's been one of the bigger surprises in the return of Frank Kaminsky, which is also going to be really fun for some of us, um, having all that go on, I, I mean, just, again, just show some growth. Again, maybe Malik bounces back from that this slow period where he's got that issue with his hand. Maybe Terry Rozier finds a way to be a little bit more efficient with the ball in his hands. Devontae having one of the better floor games. Maybe he bounces out his floor games. That was what? His first double-double in a long time? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can go within that doesn't have to necessarily equal a win to show me that they're growing. And maybe P.J. goes through another hot stretch where he scores double figures over the next five. Stuff like that is what I'm looking for for this team, especially since some of the teams that are coming in aren't that great defensively. All right, that was Nada Edwards. You can find him on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. Nada, always appreciate you, man. Have a good rest of the day. Man, look, again, enjoy that Blackberry Jam. And mm-hmm. technically, because it's Blackberry Jam, enjoy it. And again, once you get like a, get yourself a nice little sesame bagel, spread some of that Blackberry Jam over it. You'll love it. Thank me later. All right. Thank you, Nada. I'm I'm appreciative of that, and I'm glad I'm finally accepted by you and all my food takes. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more on the Detroit Pistons game next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Develop winning habits. You know what winning habits are? Scoring things in the box score. That's what winning habits are. You compete. Rebounds, assists. Yeah, when you compete, you get rebounds. When you compete, you get assists. When you compete, you score points. It's not about effort. It's about competing. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you want to be back on the show, baby. I got baby. you, Doug. You want to be back you, on the show. This is me. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. That's been your take on Cody Zeller for a long time, Doug. And how about Nada coming in in that first segment and saying that Bismack has been better than Cody Zeller. I find that to be ridiculous. I wanted him to continue on because I don't want to get in a fight with Nada because Nada can't let things go about the food takes and stuff. He already made me mad. But no, I find that ridiculous. What do you think about the comparison between the way that Bismack and Cody Zeller have played? Well, I think Bismack Biombo had an excellent game against uh, the Detroit Pistons, sure. and he made the most Deserves of credit. every. He really made the most of every single opportunity that he had when he got the ball in his hands, and he caught the ball, and he was able to execute in the pick and roll. And you know, Devontae Graham has been able to get him bounce passes. Uh, that I think has made it a little bit easier for him to catch the ball, frankly. Um, you know, I, I don't think we talk enough about Devontae Graham's ability to distribute uh, within this offense. He's been he's been fantastic passing the basketball. So 
Uh, I think credit goes to Devontae Graham in that situation. And he's, you know, he cleans up on the offensive boards just like Cody Zeller does. But Cody Zeller, on the other hand, allows your offense to do a little bit more, I think, in terms of ball movement than Bismack Biombo does. I mean, we've seen plenty of times this season where the ball goes to Bismack and the possession just dies. I mean, it just dies on the vine. That doesn't tend to happen as often with Cody Zeller. Also, Cody can switch you know, screens defensively that Bismack Biombo is not going to do. On the other hand, Bismack Biombo offers you physicality underneath that actually benefits you in those games against Detroit when you're going up against Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. And we saw in their last contest with Detroit that Cody Zeller actually got knocked out of that game uh, via foul trouble because he couldn't hang with Andre Drummond. So I don't. Th- I think the question of like who's better, Bismack or Cody, is not there's no answer to that question because they offer things that are so radically different. Oh no, there's an easy answer. It's Cody. Cody's better than Bismack. You think but, you think that they're comparable in that regard? Like that we don't have an answer for that? No, I'm just saying like they they have both shown their their great strengths and great weaknesses. I just don't I don't think either of them is an answer at the center position for this particular basketball team. So Yeah, look, I don't uh, yeah, I, I like Cody Zeller more than you do, I think. I mean, I, I don't mind him being the center. I think he can be a good center. It's not center. a question of whether uh, I like him or don't like him. I'm just telling no, you. No, you like, hate him, and that's fine. No, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, look at the last game against Detroit. It's why they, they if they go after not, like, eventually when this team decides they want to win, they won't be looking at Cody Zeller to be their answer at the center position. We've seen this franchise continue to look for different answers at the center position that are not Cody Zeller. And, yeah, I think and the they haven't that found Cody, that answer. Yeah, I think Cody Zeller would be a fine answer for me. I wouldn't mind him being the center of this team. Um, but the thing that would make you scared about that to me is the injury history because he is kind of crazy. He's going to get a broken nose. He's going to have the injury history. And I think that's fair. Like, I absolutely would be scared. So if you want to say he's not because of that, I'm with you on that. No, I want to say he's not because he doesn't offer you rim protection. And if you're going to build a team of shooters that that you're that are not great defensively and you don't really have athleticism at your small forward position, you know, elite athleticism at your small forward position that can get back and recover and defend at the rim, then you need somebody like Bismack who can who can defend the rim. Ooh. That's yeah, why. I, yeah, I'm not biz. Yeah, way more. Uh, not biz. But Cody, to me, I think it just depends on how good you want your center to be and how the other talent around it, surrounding it is. Um, what were some other main takeaways that you had from this game, Doug? Let's go to the little black notebook that you have, a bunch of notes that you keep on scribbling. What were some of the things that you noticed? I uh, love P.J. Washington's second half. He mentioned after the game uh, that he was able to be aggressive in that second half because he was not in foul trouble. That's something we haven't really looked at past couple of games. I guess he felt like that he was limited because of some mistakes that he made on the defensive end that got him into foul trouble. Uh, so that's something that's something to look at. You know, uh, Rick Bennell mentioned that the number of minutes that he's played early this season is is pretty significant for a rookie, and, and that may be causing it. So it's probably a combination of all those factors that have put him into a bit of a slump, but he broke out of it in the second half. And, and I love the the screen and roll game uh, that P.J. and Devontae play, where whereas you'll see like Biz come and set a hard screen and then sort of roll softly to the basket and, you know, either because he's looking for Devontae to try to score and then maybe clean up on the offensive boards or or have that little soft touch uh, push shot that that he never makes but he he does <laughs> he does like that look 
PJ does something different where he comes up for the screen and doesn't really set a hard screen. He releases immediately and rolls very hard to the rim. And uh, in a similar way that Cody Zeller does sometimes, Devontae has been able to find him very successfully in that. And, and I just I love that look for them. And PJ was able also to create some things off the dribble. He was able to beat uh, his man, uh, whether it be Blake Griffin, sometimes he was matched up against Andre Drummond, and they were just no match for his quickness. Uh, just love just love what P.J. threw out there in that second half. You also mentioned Devontae Graham. 15 assists for him. That was a career high. Devontae Graham has been a very good facilitator. I really like his vision, and I think we could even see this last year when Devontae wasn't shooting the ball well at all. I mean, in fact, it was an awful three-point percentage as well as shooting from the field, but I feel like he was a, a good passer with some incredible vision. I, I like the way that when he gets on the baseline, I feel like he's always able to wiggle out of control and look for an open shooter on the perimeter. That has been something that I've taken note of. Overall, Devontae, man, I, I feel like, are, are we over the hump of, is this a mirage, uh, Doug? Because when you look at Devontae, man, I, I don't think that we can say, oh, he's going to sustain this level of play for the rest of his career. I mean, I think that's way too... Uh, way too fast to say that that's going to be the take on Devonte. But are we over the fact of, hey, let's wait and see about Devonte what he's going to do this season? I feel like this is what you're going to get every single night or close to it. Yeah, and he's benefiting so much from the fact that the ball is being shared so much among other players. Like the because the expectations I think aren't there to make the playoffs. You don't have to say, okay, Devonte, you have to play 34 minutes and you have to have like, um, you know, above 30 usage percentage. Like the ball always has to be in your hands. You always have to make a play similar to, to what it's been like for Kimba Walker in, in Charlotte the past couple of seasons. So he really gets to benefit from that. He can go stretches of the game, distribute for others, and then other stretches of the game where he's able to, to get his look, uh, whether it be by himself or uh, getting help from others to get his look. So that, I think that's been extremely helpful for Devontae Graham and might benefit him, you know, really even out his game, allow him to do different things um, in his career. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love this season for Devontae Graham. I don't think it's a fluke. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, multi-year all-star yet. Um, but right now, you know, he's, he's tops in the league and three-pointers made. I think he's uh, third, second or third now. Um, the, the great stat, he's the second player in franchise history to record a game with 15 points and 15 assists since the 2006-07 season, the other being Kimball Walker. Graham is just the fourth player in the league to record such a game of 15 and 15. LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Luka Doncic. So there aren't many players in this league that can score at that level and find others at that level. And he's been doing it all year, and I don't think there's any reason uh, to think that he can't continue it. He's, he's doing it in a sustainable way. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to Cody Zeller real quickly, just an update on him. He was listed as questionable heading into this Pistons game. That's actually a downgrade. I believe he was probable, if I'm not mistaken, for this Pistons game. I don't think maybe that was a shoot around that went wrong, but he's now listed as questionable. So I would say probably don't expect Cody to play against the Detroit Pistons tonight. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash Locked on NBA, all one word, no spaces, locked on NBA, listening on the go. If you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. We'll talk about Devontae Graham a little bit more in segment three. How much does his game at this point in his career compare to Kimba Walker's? It's up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. 
And the Google description here says on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades named or numbered <laughs> B shares Batik of New York N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We continue to give love to Devontae Graham in a big way on this podcast. We probably mention him every single day with the way that he's been playing this season. And so a lot of people have been talking about him on Twitter as well. And our friend, the Charlotte Sports Despair, you can find him on Twitter at Sports Despair. He asked a question saying, quote, is it wrong to say that at similar points in their career, Devontae is better than what Kimba was? End quote. And so it seems like you would look at that and maybe think that's a little crazy. But then when you start to think of Kimba and the way that he started off his career, it was pretty bad shooting the basketball. In fact, he had that weird dip of it was bad. His rookie year, Kimba's career we're talking about bad. His rookie year actually has a little bit of spike in his field goal percentage the second season. And then the next two following that, I believe, were both years where he shot below 40 percent. The three point percentage certainly was not good in any of those seasons that I'm talking about. So let's compare him, Doug. Devontae Graham right now through 19 games is averaging 18 points, seven and a half assists, three and a half rebounds. He's doing it on 52% effective field goal percentage, 40% from three and 40%, 41% if you round up from the field overall. You look at Kemba Walker stats, 17.7 points per game. That's a 0.3 difference between him and Devontae. Kemba shooting a little bit worse. 5.7 assists. That's almost two below what Devonte is uh, uh, getting assists at that kind of rate. You look at the effective field goal percentage. Kimba has a 47% effective field goal percentage compared to Devonte's 52. You look at the overall field goal percentage. He actually is better shooting 42% compared to Devonte's 41. And then you look at the three point percentage, which is probably the biggest takeaway out of any individual column that you look at Devonte Graham shooting 40% from three. Kimba Walker shooting 32% from three at each of their points at the same point in their career. What would you have to say to sports despair, Doug? I would say that Devontae Graham certainly a significantly better three-point shooter. Kimba Walker probably the better creator for himself at this point because of just the variety of ways that in that second year, Kimba Walker could score for himself. And then he would later develop what Devontae Graham already has, which is an ability uh, to shoot the three off the bounce and 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 off the pick and roll. Um, but they're, they're pretty similar at this point. I'd say Kimba Walker probably the better defender at this point in his career. Devontae Graham still has a ways to go there. Um, but distributor, no question. Right now, Devontae Graham, the better distributor. And it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, right now Graham averaging seven and a half assists a game to Kimba's five, uh, 5.7 in that second year. And Devontae doesn't have the ball in his hands quite as much because he's playing alongside Terry Rozier, who uh, gets uh, gets a significant number of the possessions as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's really interesting to compare these two. They're in two different situations. Kimba was playing, you know, with an absolutely miserable basketball team, that 2012-13 Charlotte Bobcats roster headed up by Mike Dunlap. They ended up going 21-61 and 61 that year. I think the Hornets are going to win a few more games than that. I, I mean, cer- I, certainly. I mean, I think they're going to you know, be up closer to the 30-win mark at this point, 25-30. to 30. Um, But that team offensively was 28th of 30, 
and defensively they were last in the league. And so the Hornets, you know, this year, not that much different. I think they're both offensively and defensively, you know, closer to the last quarter of the league. Um, but at the same time, just not that bad. I mean, you know, he was playing with Ben Gordon, Ramon Sessions, McRoberts, Henderson, uh, Bismack before Bismack started to put it together. Uh, just a really bad basketball team. Yeah, a couple of those members were on our all-worst decade team for the Charlotte mm-hmm. Bobcats slash Hornets, mm-hmm. and that's who Kimba was playing with. You look at the turnovers. Devontae, I think, is always going to be someone that turnovers the ball a lot more than Kimba. Kimba was just such an exceptional ball handler and did not turn the ball over at all. In fact, Tom Haberstrow did a really cool stat where he put that out on Twitter. I mean, any team that Kimba's on, they are towards the bottom in the league and maybe the best as far as not turning the ball over. This is what we saw under Steve Clifford. So we saw with Kimba Walker at the helm. That's not going to Devontae's not going to be able to replicate that. So you're going to see more turnovers. If that does come with less assist, you're still going to see less turnovers. And also, I don't think Devontae is ever really going to be someone that gets to the free throw line as much as Kimba. Even in this year, Kimba went to the free throw line four and a half times. Devontae at 3.9, but we know that Kimba would continue to get better in that area. I believe the stats went up for him, but also the free throw percentage, that's identical compared to the same points in their career. And then you look at the free throw attempts per game. uh, Yeah, Kimba would maybe get a little bit better, but sit around five attempts uh, for the game. And important to know, too, that Devontae Graham at this point in his second season is two years older than Kimba was. So they have been on this earth playing basketball. You know, Devontae has been on this earth playing basketball for two more years than Kimba at that point. And I think, you know, Devontae played at a, at a high-level program for four years, and, and that ma- I think that matters somewhat. I mean, he's obviously – he took that first year to adjust to all that the NBA had to throw at him. Props to the Hornets for getting him plenty of G League run. I, I think, you know, Devontae uh, Bacon for all his struggles, the fact that he was able to make some impact at the end of last season, I think, again, is evidence that their player development program, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's Kimba had no, you know, that's part of the reason that Kimba had to play with so many terrible teams is because they really didn't have a player development plan. This Hornets team does. That's going to benefit uh, Graham both. Uh, directly in the fact that he was able to go through that system, but also he's playing with players that are going through that system. And so it just means better quality basketball. Yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot of, even with all those players you mentioned, it's not like there's a ton of youth on that team. There's a couple of people that were young, but on that team you mentioned that Kimba was playing with, there wasn't a ton of young people. And I wonder if the camaraderie is a little bit different with Devontae playing with other guys that are his age and that maybe they're a little bit more open. Maybe it would be the opposite. Maybe it would mean that they're trying to battle and get more minutes away from the other guy that they're looking to see is a future piece. But also we know that this team was pretty tight with Kimba last year, that they were the Avengers. They would go out to dinner quite a bit. So I wonder about the camaraderie comparison with Devontae surrounding this team compared to what Kimba was going through with his team in 2012, 2013. I'm interested why Devontae Graham's PER, somebody smarter than me would have to tell me why his PER is sitting at 16.9, which I think puts him in the 20s among um, point guards in the league because, you know, his scoring is is right up there with some of the, um, not elite of the elite, but, you know, sort of that second tier point guard. His three-point shooting is amazing. His rebounding, I think, is pretty decent for a point guard. His assist, he's distributing uh, better than a lot of point guards. I guess it's steals and blocks. Like, I don't know what's not happening for his PER. Maybe, yeah. Well, the effective field goal percentage isn't bad, but maybe the nor- maybe the field goal percentage, just the two-point percentage is really bad as well. That's true. 41%. Yeah. 
So you know, that that's something that he needs to fix. And you can't be shooting 41% from inside the arc. That's bad. And so while he's shooting well from three, Devonte certainly is going to have to clean that up. And perhaps that's something that really makes that PER. That's exciting. That's the next level, baby. That means Devon, yeah. you, you always want to see right. that. You want to see like, oh, this guy's mm-hmm. got a next level. Like Luka Doncic, you know, what happens when he Crazy. becomes a 40% three-point shooter? Then we're all doomed. Yeah, we're all absolutely doomed. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you on Monday.